You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're going to have some fun this morning. I'm going to try to keep it brief, and, uh, but I, I want to warn you in advance, there is responsibility that comes with this message. So if you don't want responsibility, I'll give you about seven seconds to quietly exit. <laughs> I was expecting this row to be gone, actually. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> the whole row left. <laughs> like, it's like something happening in this section here. Oh, man. Well, we'll give you some tools, hopefully, that will relieve the anxiety of responsibility from you and give you, you know, empower you to be more than you believed you could be. That'll be good. No, I am just messing with you. Um, I want to say first uh, that the song Good Ground that Cody and Julie are releasing, uh, what a beautiful song. And, and I, 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 I've, so we bought an old uh, abandoned farm. I'm not even going to call it a farm. We bought an old piece of land that is considered infertile ground uh, by the ag extension arm of UGA. We had them test the soil and everything. The lady came out and she's like, oh, I don't know. You're, you're starting all over. This is this isn't even just bad soil. This is just infertile. It's, it's real rough. And we got excited because we're like, what can God do with something that like is forgotten and, and infertile, right? We got all excited. And that is the prayer now. That is my prayer over my land, uh, that it would rain on this good ground. It's the prophetic declaration over the land. And the funny thing is, we've seen a change in this, the plant species that are growing. It was all what's called broom sedge which is uh, poverty grass is what they call it. It only grows in depleted, poverty-stricken soil. It is what grows because it, it's, it's all the only thing that'll grow there. And now when we go out there, we see crimson clover growing and we see white clover growing and things that shouldn't be growing on our land are growing and competing with this poverty grass and the poverty grass is actually dying off. I think we looked last night and I think we're seeing like probably a 40 to 40, something, maybe I'll say 40, a 40% decrease in the poverty grass. And we've got all these other things growing in its place. And we, we, I declare that over our land, come rain on this good ground. And so love that song. Excited about that. It's going to be really, really good. I think that song's going to impact a ton of people and, and all the songs you're releasing actually. So very cool. Good job. Yay. All right, let's jump in. I want to talk about experience this morning. Uh, and, and just kind of how, what experience does in our lives, how it plays a role in our lives. You know, um, uh, everything can have a good role and a bad role in our life, right? And so I want to talk about experience and how experience can be good or experience can lay ground for bad habits, bad things, bad thoughts, bad beliefs, all that kind of stuff. Um, actually, one of the things that sparked this message, so I'm just going to keep giving Julie lots of credit this morning. <laughs> Uh, was when Julie uh, spoke about um, the sower and the seed a while back, months ago, a little while ago, right? Yeah, the sower and the seed. Um, she was talking about the, you know, the parable of the sower and the seed, and she was talking about it. When she read through it, it says that, and then the sower sowed the seed on the path, and immediately, like where the path was, and immediately when she said that, the Lord said, the path is experience. And so I just took a mental note of it. I wrote it in my phone, and I moved on with life, right? And, um, and we're learning a lot about soil and soil life and, and just uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. And, um, you know, compacted soil is a hard place for anything to grow. It's compacted. It compacts the soil life out. The soil dries out. It becomes a very hard place to grow. Well, the path is the place that has been walked on so much 
that the soil is compacted and anything that tries to grow gets stomped down by walking, right? And after a while, nothing will grow on that path because it has been walked on so many times that nothing new will grow. The only thing on that path that lives is the experience, right? And so the Lord started talking to me about the path is experience. And the path can be good or it can be bad. In this case with the sower, the seed could not grow because experience was stronger than what was trying to be sown at the time, right? Like the, the value for experience was stronger than the value for the new seed is what the Lord started speaking to me about. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And I started to think about times in my life. So, um, you know, if you know, like your beliefs, so much of your beliefs are formed through your experience, and so much of that happens not consciously, right? Like you don't go, oh, I experienced that, now I'm gonna consciously sit down and go through that and tear this, this little experience apart and take the good from it and establish that and take the bad and flush that out, and now I'm gonna move on with life. But we move through experiences and we have these subconscious like uh, um, uh, dialogue in our mind. It's in our heart and in our mind, it's in our subconscious, and we determine what we just experienced through that. And we take out, unfortunately, we take out so much of the bad and we hold on to that through our experiences. Why do we do that? Because we're meant as a species to survive, right? So, so much of that is good. Like your DNA is a, a compilation of every generation in your family that has gone before you trying to take the best out of it and the best defenses out of it so that you will survive in the world you live in. So the things that would have killed your great, 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 great grandparents, now you have this like ability to sustain life in the presence of those things. Why? Because your DNA has adapted and it's, it's learned how to defend against those things. It's learned how to stay strong against those things. And so your DNA is stronger than the generations that have come before you because it has slowly adapted. It's it's the brilliance and the beauty of God, right? Like he has created us that our bodies would adapt and grow in each generation stronger than the next. If you were to take your great, 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 great grandparents and put them in today's world, they would not have immunity to so many things that you don't, your body doesn't even flinch at anymore, right? Like your body is constantly filtering out bad bacterias and things and just taking care of stuff and your great, great, greats wouldn't, their bodies wouldn't know what to do. Why? Because through the generations, I mean, through people getting sick and through people having experience, the body has adapted and become very strong. But there's also some bad things that can come through experience. I was thinking about it, uh, you know, I've, I've had some funny things. So like one for me was uh, one day, can we just have some story time? So one day I was about 12 years old and uh, I think at the time soaking wet, I weighed like 90 pounds, maybe less actually, probably a lot less. I was a skinny little guy. And uh, I kept my bike in the backyard in this little shed because it was an expensive bike. I, I have every birthday, every Christmas, every anything, I put all my money into this bike, right? I raced BMX. And so I would go in the backyard, grab my bike first thing in the morning, take off, and I'd get back anybody else, be home by the time the street lights turn on. Well, Corona street, street lights didn't always turn on, so that was determined by, you know, <laughs> who knows? But uh, one time I go in my backyard, there had just been a bad storm the night before. I thought nothing of it. I go in my backyard, I grab my bike, I pull it out of the shed, and I noticed that um, half of our back fence is just laying down. And I thought, oh my goodness, it was a bad storm, fence blew over. One thing that escaped my memory was the fact that I had a lowrider club that lived behind me, and they bred 
uh, like attack dog, guard dog Rottweilers. And my whole 88 pounds of fury meant nothing to this 200-something pound Rottweiler. This dog would wear a huge chain around his neck with a weight. It would just walk around like that all day because it would strengthen it, right? I guess that's the idea. They were like fighting dogs. And it would also wear a huge plaque. The, the Lowrider Club was Solo Times. And it would wear this huge gold plaque that said Solo Times on the dog's neck. Put that thing on me. I, I'm not going anywhere, right? <laughs> like 12-pound plaque. <laughs> and so I grabbed my bike, and I'm walking from the shed, and I see the fence. And then all of a sudden, right behind me, I hear, and I'm like, well, what is that? I turn around to see this massive Rottweiler, and it's just me. No one's home at my house. The lowrider club might as well be in another neighborhood because they're all out in the front of their house, right? There's two backyards, and this dog is growling, and it's all teeth and, like, drool and teeth, like, like Cujo stuff, like bad, right? Anybody old enough to know? Like, if you know, you know. Scary stuff. And I turn around, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I remember this dog lunged at me and I pushed my bike at it and it kind of tripped over the bike and I turned to run and next thing I know, wham, right there. Yeah. Not much there. (laughs) Don't need to lose what barely I have, right? And this thing grabbed a hold of me and started ragdolling me back and forth. I just remember, I remember hitting the tree and then hitting the ground and then hitting the tree and I was thinking, oh my gosh, It was a strength I had not yet experienced, right? And so this thing, and luckily its teeth slipped. It had my pants and it ripped my pants and I ran around the tree and we were playing, you know, like tag around the tree now, except with a scary animal that wanted to kill me. They're bred for this, like they were these dogs, right? And so I... It, it went this way and I went that way and luckily being not very big, I was quick. And so I out juked this thing, like, uh, you know, broke its ankles and it went one way, I went the other way. And I remember we had a wheelbarrow in the backyard with no wheel on it, just the handles in the barrel, right? My mom was going to plant some plants in it. And I remember grabbing this thing, it's straight adrenaline, grabbing it by the handles and turning all at once and going, bang, as hard as I could. I mean, it was loud, bow, right on this thing's head. Yeah, and it just ticked it off. (laughs) I was like, oh, I thought for sure I killed it. And this thing flinched it off like, seriously, bro? And I was like, no. And so I pushed the wheelbarrow at it and ran for my life. And I could hear this dog behind me. You know, it's like Sandlot, but with a dog that'll actually kill you. And I run in the garage, the garage door's open, I run in the garage and turn all at once and slam the door, and the door goes, bam, on its head, and it was just enough, I think it scared it, it didn't hurt it, but just scared it just enough, it pulled its head back out, and I kicked the door shut really fast, and then, bam, bam, on the door. I'm like, it's coming through the door. So I lock the door, run in the house, lock the other door, and I fall on the ground. <laughs> you know, like, surely I'm dying. And I didn't want to look back because I'm thinking, what's going to be, you know, it, it, whatever. It just, it broke the skin pretty bad. I was bruised up and, uh, you know, the whole thing. So they ended up calling animal control and because the dog was still in my backyard. Yeah. Who's going to fix that fence, right? Like, good luck, man. We'll be in the house. And uh, what that did, though, before that point, I can tell you that I had no fear of dogs at all. But what I got out of that was not a fear of backyards, was not a fear of sheds, was not a fear of downed fences, anything like that. I can see those things and I'm fine, 
Rottweilers, that's right. Big dogs, I now had this serious like anxiety around big dogs. And you know the thing that would happen is I would have anxiety around big dogs which would make them have anxiety around me. It's like, what's up with this guy? You know, like what's his problem? Because I'm like, you know? And so it created a fear in me, and, and that fear uh, played out in so many different ways. I remember being on outreach after I got saved. We went to, a, um, uh, it was a neighborhood that me and some friends did some outreach in, and we would go just, I mean, we would help people with all kinds of stuff, and uh, mow lawns, do dishes, uh, buy food for, just like, it was just, it was a really, really great, great, great time. Well, we, we had uh, been trying to get into this, the neighborhood drug dealer's house for a while, and he finally let us come in and just hang out with him. And we were like, sweet. So we're talking to this guy about the Lord and just having a great old time, and then he opens his bedroom door, and what comes out? The biggest pit bull I've ever seen in my life with spikes on, you know, the whole, and I, I love pit bulls. I just don't like other people's pit bulls. We've had them, and, and I love them. I just don't like other people's, right, because I don't know this dog. And I remember sitting on this thing, and fear went immediately. And the, my friend that was next to me, not having the same experience as I did with a big dog that's scary, right? He immediately goes, oh, hey, boy, what's up? And this dog comes over and is like, oh, yeah. And then the dog comes over to me and immediately stops and goes, and its hair, little bit that it has, starts. And I'm like, oh, like just straight fear up to here, right? this dog proceeds to have its hair standing up and slowly starts putting its mouth around my leg and just biting a little, right? And I'm like, what? And I'm like, hey, hey, man, hey. And he's like, oh, just don't move. You'll be good. And I'm like, no, that's not what I was, that's not really the answer I was going for. I'm like, hey, could you get your dog? He's like, no, no, no. He just needs to get used to it. And I'm like, ah, he's biting me. He's biting me. This dog was grabbing my leg, just slowly biting, slowly biting, slowly biting. What in the world, right? Another one, another, so I'm just going to show you some of my hangups this morning. It's, well, it ended with me just sitting there for about four or five minutes with this dog chewing on my leg. Dog got distracted, and I left the house and left my friend Chris Overstreet there to be buddies with the dog and get the guy saved on his own. Because I'm like, look, bro, you've got this. I'm just here for, <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm a chew toy. Like, what the heck? So that's how it ended. Sorry, I was just going to skip through that. Some of you are left with anxiety. This is not the point of the sermon for you to leave with anxiety towards. Anyway, I'm sure Chris got the guy saved. It probably ended well. The dog probably got a demon cast out of it. I don't know, but <laughs> I left. Another one, I'll tell you some, I'll just tell you some of my things. So I, I've slowly grown out of that with dogs. I love dogs. Dogs are one of my favorite animals. I just love dogs. I just don't like other people's big dogs, especially if they're behind a fence or in a house. I'll just leave them alone. Another one, though, is I've had four red light accidents in my life, and three of them ended with the car, both cars completely totaled. Well, no, all four ended with the cars completely totaled. Now to think back. And um, so one of them was, uh, you know, when I was a bad kid, I didn't have a driver's license, and I came blowing through a, a stoplight, which was green for me, but it doesn't matter if you don't have a driver's license, because you're not supposed to be driving anyway, so it's your fault no matter what you do. And uh, I came flying through this green light, and somebody just pulled out straight in front of me, not paying attention, and boom, totaled car, right? Another one um, was here in Georgia. We moved to Georgia the first time. That's weird to say. 
And uh, I was sitting at a light, arrow turns green, I turn left, there's a kid that just got a brand new car, just got a brand new driver's license and had his brand new phone right here in front of his face. He's driving 60 miles an hour on the highway, doesn't realize that his light has turned red. I'm in the turn lane with a car in front of me. We turn left, actually my old boss turns left and he barely makes it in front of this car. I can't see the car coming because he's right in front of me turning left and there's a turn lane here of cars. He barely makes it in front of this car that's going 60 miles an hour. And all I see is his car disappear out from in front of me in a black flash go And I wake up down the road, because I was in a little Honda Accord, Civic, something. I wake up down the road, bleeding and scared to death. And car smoking, I thought it was on fire. It was just a, a airbag releasing all its whatever, white powder stuff. And I'm freaking out, get out on the road and almost get hit by a car because I'm kind of delirious. I step out on the road, my knee doesn't work. I fall down in the highway. A car goes, boom, past my face. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Can't breathe, crawl to the side of the road, have this whole thing, right? Also, Judah, our son, when he turned 16, so the day before he turned 16, he's got this car. He's never driven it. I take it to go get it smogged and everything. California, right? It passes all the stuff. I pull out on the road, stop at a stoplight. All morning, I'm feeling this weird feeling of, you're going to get in a car accident. Like, I could just feel it. And I'm thinking, that's stupid. You know, I don't have these thoughts. That's stupid. That's dumb. That's stupid. I'm sitting there listening to country music, sitting at a stoplight. <laughs> I look up in my mirror to see a Chevy, full-size Chevy truck going about 40 miles an hour, about eight feet from me. <laughs> like your brain doesn't have time to comprehend what's going on. Next thing I know, I'm across the intersection. The back of the car is missing. Uh, the car, it was a five-speed, so I didn't, re I didn't think about it because I'm not used to driving them all the time. I let the clutch out, obviously, when I got hit, and the, the car is doing this, and I'm just going down the road going, I don't know what's happening, and just, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So I went to like a year of uh, rehab for my neck for that. That was fun. But I'll tell you this. This is what I've got. Yeah, everybody's like, dear God, this is a bummer story. I know, it's a bummer message. But what I got out of that was this. Now, whenever I drive, especially if I drive long distance, uh, what happened from that accident, I got a severe whiplash and tore some stuff back here. And what I got from that accident is this, my trapezius right here stayed numb for months, like six months. And my arm just had nerve stuff in my arm because that's the arm that was up when I got hit. And so it tweaked all that, had rehab and everything. Now it's fine. But if I drive long distance, this stays so tight because, you know, your body has a fear response. It tries to protect you. So like most back injuries are no longer what caused the back injury. It's the fact that the muscles have not let go of the memory of the, of the pain. And so the muscles hold tight trying to protect the back and they cause more trouble, right? We've seen so many people's legs grow out because you just, you just pray for them, Holy Spirit touches them, peace touches those muscles, and they relax, and the person's leg lets down, and the back pain leaves, right? Well, my body carries the trauma of that, so if I drive a long way, like we just drove back from Florida, this trap, my trap will just go numb, and my arm will just start going numb from it, right? The other thing that I got from that is this. If I'm driving over like 35 or 40 and going through a green light, 
I subconsciously, not even thinking about it, hold my breath and everything tenses up. Why? Because my body, my subconscious is telling my body, get ready for impact because that's what happens in these scenarios, right? How many of you know that we learn a lot of bad lessons and we carry the trauma of those lessons and those experiences through life and those things form our beliefs, they form you know, our, our traits, our personalities, how we interact with others, how we interact with ourselves, how we interact with God, what choices we make, because those choices are determined by what we experienced, right? How many of you know that? So we make good choices or bad choices, and so much of those choices are made in, right? It's not a conscious, like, I'm making choices right now. It's just like breathing. We go through life just making choices out of the subconscious place. Let's talk about those this morning. Because I think that, you know, we could talk about a thousand things, but the thing that I want to talk about the most is the things that will give you a better life. Like the things that will connect you to the Father in a cleaner, clearer way, like a more pure way, right? Because all those things create clutter that we view life through. You know, Chris Ballatin talks about it like having boogers on your glasses. If you have boogers on your glasses, everywhere you look, there will be boogers. Everything that you experience will have boogers on it, right? Or let's say bugs, maybe. You know, maybe that's a better way. I don't know. You know, everything you look at has boogers on it. Why? And you're like, man, that place is just full of boogers. And you're like, oh, that person, you know, they're a real booger. No, no, no. Your experience had a booger in it. That's, this is weird. I never expected to go this direction this morning. And until you intentionally and deliberately clean your lenses off, you will always see boogers in everything you do. Why? Because it's right there. It's right there. You can't see past it. You can only see through it. And so much of life is experienced from what we see through because we've never moved past. And so much of the time we're carrying trauma and we create beliefs around our trauma. And you could, you could have had a great life. You're like, well, I, I was never, you know, my parents were great, everybody's great. You still can have trauma. It, it, it just happens. It can come through a, a boss that's rough on you, you know, like it, it can come a thousand ways. It can come through peers in school when you're in elementary school. It can come through little comments that you perceived in a certain way about yourself. And you have trauma. These traumas in life, not all of them are a traffic accident at a red light, right? Some of them are just these little passing things that build up and create a belief system in you because of the way you observe that experience. It creates a belief system in you, and now we live our life from that belief system. This is the thing. John 10.10 says, the enemy comes to steal. Oh, it says comes only. So you don't get it mistaken, right? The enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That is the enemy's only assignment. Like no time for anything else. So you gotta know, the enemy is wanting to steal, kill, and destroy anything in your life. It's just normal. I don't talk about the enemy much. You won't hear me talk about it in my sermons, but I will highlight this. That is his only job. Now he's a defeated enemy, which means this. He no longer walks around with a gun just shooting, right, people? You're the only one with a gun. 
unfortunately, we don't fully realize this. And so we think that the enemy has access to us just freely. The enemy's access is given this. And I'm not talking about, oh, I, you know, I'm sick or I have this thing that's in my body that's going on. I'm not talking about that at all right now, okay? So I'm not telling you if you're sick, it's your fault because you've given the enemy access to make you sick. That's stupid. And Christians yield that sword too many times and hurt other Christians with stupid comments like that. People don't choose to be sick. Let's just get that out of the way. Oh, yeah, it's my best. You know, like, come on. So anyway, but I'm telling you this. What we get out of our experiences, the truth or the lies that we believe, the enemy doesn't have a gun to shoot you. The only way you get shot with these lies is if you most of the time subconsciously hand your gun over to the enemy and go, all right, take your best shot. The way to reverse or to, uh, to shore up our truth and to dispose of the lies is to deliberately and consciously take those things to God and walk through those things. You know, if you walk around pain, you skirt around pain, you try to pass the process and get through pain, I've said this a hundred times and I'll say it again, you are inviting yourself to be part of a Michael Jackson thriller video. Later on in life, that pain will represent itself. It will pop up when you least expect it, and it'll start dancing around your life. Because this is Taylor. You know, whatever the dance is. And Taylor. My mom did that. My mom was part of this dance group, and she did that whole dance. So we have a video. It's just the best. Her and like eight ladies are all like, you know, it was so cool. to terrorize your neighborhood. And it will. Pain will terrorize your neighborhood as long as you just keep passing it by, right? Like, don't make eye contact. If I don't see it, it's not there. It's so much of how we live our life is like a child, right? Like Walter, he's, he's at the age, beautiful, and he can hide from you only by doing this. It's this skill that we forget as adults. Oh, no, we don't. We use it when it comes to pain, and we think it actually works. We do this. We use words like, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. No, you don't have to actually in this one. If you're diligent and deliberate, you could actually walk through this you could let him trace the trail back to where that scar began. And he can rewrite the truth of your history with you so you walk out of that circumstance, out of that experience, a healed person with a clear view, no boogers, with a clear lens of who he is and who you are. And the enemy is separate from that. But as long as we just subconsciously walk through this stuff, we are giving the enemy access through experience into our lives and how we live them. I believe this. So many people preach about this, that the enemy just doesn't want you to reach your destiny, that the enemy just doesn't want you to be powerful, that the enemy doesn't want, you know, you to fully live everything. That I actually think it's more personal than that because that's all the things that I can do. I think it's more personal than that. I think the enemy is jealous and envious of you because you hold a place in the heart of God and you are made in the image of the Father and you are beautiful and wonderful and I think it's more personal than just you don't get to walk out your destiny. I think it's so personal that he's spiteful towards you and he wants to just ruin your day. 
every part of it. And as long as we subconsciously live our lives as believers, we will reap the benefit of lies and distractions and everything else. You know, the thing about the, <clears throat> the uh, seed that went on the path was the seed that went on the path didn't die from sun exposure or anything else. It, it got eaten by the birds. And I think that's so interesting that, that there's no animals eating any of the other seeds. There are no birds eating any of the other seeds. There's no like other thing brought in. Like the weeds were there and they choked out the other one. The rock was there, right? And it scorched because you can't grow seed on a rock. But the one with the path, the birds came and ate the seed. What is that? The birds are those thoughts. The birds are those lies. The birds are those distractions. The birds are, this is what I experienced. And as long as we subconsciously experience these things and just keep walking through it, we will see the birds come and snatch the seed of what God is trying to do in our lives. Are you guys with me? I wrote this down because it's, I, I feel like I need to say it this way. <clears throat> the process of formation of beliefs happens unconsciously. And that's why we feel powerless before them. So it happens in your subconscious. The formation of your beliefs, so much of them, happen unconsciously, not consciously. And that's why we feel powerless. We feel as if we are on a ride and we have to deal with these emotions, with this anxiety, and with these things that are happening to us. Because those things were formed subconsciously, we've never made them conscious, and so we feel like, well, this is just, this is just how I respond to stuff. Well, this, I just get really nervous when I'm in that environment. I get, oh, I feel like I'm gonna throw up. I have all this anxiety, even though I know it's okay. I'm not gonna get hurt. It's gonna be okay. I just, I feel that way. It's just something I deal with. No, actually, there's some trauma there. And so those beliefs are formed subconsciously. Now listen to this. We feel powerless before him, but once we make the unconscious conscious, we start gaining real power. How do I do that? Stop. One of the most powerful things you can do is stop. Quit moving forward just for a moment. Because that's what we want to do, right? And every time it comes up, ah, this is just, I mean, seriously, every red light, or I should say green light for me, everybody else's red light, my green light, 55 miles an hour, right? Because that's the speed limit around here everywhere on a highway, and you're just blowing through a light. That doesn't happen in California, by the way. There's much lower speed limits where there's red lights. Here, y'all are crazy. I said y'all. I don't say y'all. I'm going to say y'all this time because I feel like it fits. Y'all are crazy. Every time I go through one of those things, why? Because the trauma that my body experienced is stoplights is very real to me. What my body's telling me is you're unsafe every time you're around one of these. The truth of the matter is billions of people go through stoplights every day. And a very small percentage of them ever get hurt. But my body tells me this, every time you get around one of those, it's gonna kill you. Like that's the truth, that's what my body says. I have traumas in life that I've experienced and I feel the same anxieties when I get around those things and I feel the same hangups and I don't wanna go to certain things and as long as I just skirt through it and just either, all right, I'm just not gonna go or I'm gonna go and hold my breath the whole time, I'll continue to experience those things. But when I bring that which is in the darkness into the light and I start to have the conversation with the one, the only one that can heal those traumas, 
I start to uh, dissolve the power of the lie. I start to regain power, and I start to line myself up with the powerful truth so I can move forward without the trauma and the anxiety. So now when I get up to red lights, I consciously, I'm feeling a difference in my body because I consciously relax myself when I feel myself go. At first, I didn't even know I was doing it. I'm telling you, first six months, I didn't even know I was doing it. I just, everything. Because I'm, it's gonna happen, right? And now it's been, I guess, I was gonna say years? I know, right? <laughs> Thank you, that's the answer I was looking for. Which one? It's been years, a few since the last one. It's been three, three years since the last one, actually about a week ago. And now I consciously stop myself. I do not let those thoughts run rampant, but just like the Bible says, take every thought captive. Why? Because a thought that's not taken captive is a subconscious thought. But as soon as I take it captive, I bring it from the darkness into the light, and now I can really weigh this thing to see if it's truth or a lie, right? Because subconsciously, I can't weigh anything. I'm driven by emotion and experience and trauma. But consciously, I can grab a hold of it and I can drag that thing into the light. So every time I get up by a a red light or a green light or whatever, I stop myself. Not the car, because that's not safe to do in the middle of an intersection. But I stop myself. I slow my thinking down and I grab a hold of the thought that is happening in me. This is unsafe. Well, I've looked to my right, I've looked to the left, and I've looked straight in front of me. It is as safe as it's going to get. Yeah, or if I'm driving in the car with Chris. No. Lacey had a dream about that the other day. Chris was just, and I said, oh, that's like what it's like driving with Chris all the time. But I stop myself, and I talk to myself. So much of the time, we let the lie talk to us, and we just believe it and keep moving forward. Instead, I stop myself, and I talk to myself. Now, the fear of dogs thing, it has a very healthy balance to it now. One of them is, not all that I got out of that experience was bad. One of the good things I got out of that experience is not all dogs are good. Some dogs are good, right? Yeah, yeah, I've got one that's good to us and not to anybody else. He's a little crazy. But not all dogs are bad and not all dogs are good. So I've got a healthy balance and a new respect for dogs, right? But there's things in life that we experience through relationship, right? Like if you've been through a hard relationship, or you've been just, you know, someone was either abusive to you or you went through a really rough divorce, then we learn lessons. And if we don't grab a hold of those lessons and look at them in the light, then we'll learn bad lessons from those things and we'll walk the rest of our life. And every interaction we have with a potential relationship is gonna be viewed through the bad experience rather than the blank slate of a good experience. We view it first through the bad experience and our expectation is set on bad happening rather than this could be good. Is this too, am I being too? Okay. Awareness is like a fire that melts away all lies. Determination is the missing ingredient. This is why I think we do this. I think determination is the missing ingredient. I think determination is a dying art, honestly, in our society. I think we're determined to do certain things, but, but I think when it comes to us, We would rather live the faux life of social media and get likes and put up the prettiest picture of the day rather than the one that showed the junk in the background, right? And so we want to do that. Or we want to look at other people's pretty pictures, right? 
We're like, oh, their house is just beautiful. You didn't see the mess they shoved over to the side from the kids. They just took a picture of that beautiful table that they just cleaned that hasn't been clean all week. But that's beautiful, right? And we want to live these faux lives. I say faux because, you know, you can put faux up on a wall, anything, and it looks real until you touch it. Looks real until you get close enough to it. Looks real until at any way, shape, or form, you are intimate with it, right? Like intimate meaning I'm going to get up close, I'm going to touch it, I'm going to see it, I'm going to experience it. It looks real from a distance, and that's what we like to live. And it's not working for us. It's not healthy for us. And we do this with our lives, and we just want to skirt through our lives to get to the next good picture instead of stopping and truly living through the things that have hurt us, that have taught us bad lessons, like stopping and experiencing them again with God and and bringing them into the light and experiencing the truth of what they taught us that was good and and the lie that was bad and separating the two and then moving on with the truth and giving the lie to God. Like this is the only way to be successful in life. I, uh, a couple years ago, I experienced horrible depression. Horrible depression. I still don't know the exact, like, exact cause of it, but I do know some of the companions that came with it. Some of the companions were, were like, it was just the perfect storm, and so I had some expectations, and things in life went, just went down the toilet, and not of my own making, but other people's choices, which affected me, and there was a whole bunch of other things that went into this, and I found myself experiencing serious depression, and I, I, I like to think of myself as a pretty, like, sunshiny person, right? If, if you can say it that way. I, I, like to, I like to be in a good mood. I love being in a good mood. I, you know, I was suicidal before I got saved, and I would call myself life-suicidal now, but I'll tell you this, the longer I dealt with this depression, the deeper it went, and I started having all those thoughts back. I started seriously thinking through my life in those ways, and I would go, oh, what are, what are you doing? And I would just try to move past them. I'm like, oh, that's not right, right? And it, it got worse and worse and darker and darker and heavier and heavier and heavier until I could not possibly do it alone. And I would counsel people every day. You, don't, you can't walk through this alone. You need to be talking through these things. Like, what, let's, let's talk about it. Let's ask the hard questions. But with myself, I was like, I got a job to do. I got to pastor people. I got to counsel people. I gotta, and so I would try to just push it aside and move forward. And I'll tell you this, the greatest breakthrough I I got in the whole thing was when I finally decided to say something to somebody. And I told my wife, like she could see I was off for a while, but I wasn't putting words to it. Like I I wasn't describing the depth of how I was being affected. But when I first told her, obviously it's a shock. It's scary, right? It's like the person you love is having these thoughts and these feelings. And so... But I'll tell you this, what that did was it cracked the door open for light to come in a very dark room. And then from there, I started talking about it more. And then you know what I did one day? I realized something. I don't ever hear about people talk about uh, depression in church. Like, I, don't, I just don't hear people talk about depression. Like, meaning they actually dealt with it. I hear people say, hey, don't be depressed. You know, you shouldn't be depressed because he's full of joy and all the things. And you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, that sounds perfect. I should try that someday. Uh, I was a pastor. This was just a couple years ago. And so I got up in front of our school of ministry, and I was dead honest with what I was experiencing and the little bit of light that was coming in that room. 
and what God was showing me. And there's power in not keeping it to yourself, but sharing with the people around you, you know, that love you, sharing just the simple act of sharing and someone listening and started sharing more and more and more until I got comfortable enough to get up on a Sunday morning at church, had a few more tools and a lot more breakthrough and share exactly where I've been. And I'll tell you this, the freedom that happened in the room was absolutely unbelievable and undeniable. Why? Because we are not meant to do this alone and you're not meant to do it in a dark room. Like there's got, you got to let the light in. So I'm telling you this, if you're experiencing some things that you feel like this has been plaguing you, this has been a heavy weight and you've been doing it on your own, I will challenge you right now. Your biggest responsibility is to find someone that's safe and open your mouth and be dead honest with them. Don't pretty it up. Don't Instagram the pictures. Like be dead honest and put it out in front of people. That is the beauty of what God does because the only lies that can live and be strong are lies that grow in the dark. And it's damp and it's nasty and it's, you know, it's like mold is growing in that dark. This is the thing about mold. The worst of molds. You put sunlight on it and it dies. And so the greatest thing, yeah, come on, that's good news, right? The greatest thing you can do is start to bring this thing out into the light. We can change our behaviors by changing the beliefs that shape those behaviors. Determination is the missing ingredients. I'm telling you, if you're experiencing things, you just have these knee-jerk reactions, you have anxiety towards stuff, you have fears towards things, or you just have this thing where you just have a hang-up, or your beliefs about yourself are, are not what you know your beliefs about God are your beliefs, his beliefs about you are. If your beliefs about yourself are far lower than the way he believes about you, but you're like, I just can't get there. Listen to me. Those things are growing in the dark. They're being formed in the dark. It just takes a little bit of determination, a little bit of will, because it doesn't happen overnight, right? We're a microwave generation. We want everything now. DoorDash it if I can't go get it, right? (laughs) Amazon overnight. I mean, we are the generation of one click, bam, everything happens. That's not life. And most of the things you can get overnight don't sustain life. The way this works is I'm gonna plant my feet. I'm gonna go, okay, God, I refuse to live like this any longer. Not meaning it has to happen overnight, but meaning I'm gonna stay right here and I'm gonna plant my feet and I'm gonna look in your eyes and I'm gonna bring this thing out into the light and I'm gonna talk about it with you and I'm gonna talk about it with people who love you, who who I can trust and I'm going to expose this thing to the light enough where it begins to shrivel and die. This is the difference here in the depression I was experiencing and now what I experience, right? If I have an expectation and it goes wrong and you know it's something that just deflates me, those thoughts, they do this. And I go, bam, why? Because I have gained some tools. Sometimes they walk into the room and stand next to me. But you know the difference is when I was experiencing it so heavily, they were me. They were mine. It was my identity. Those thoughts were my thoughts, right? And that darkness was my darkness. And I would sit in it. Now, I have been separated from the darkness when it comes to that stuff. And those thoughts come in the room and stand next to me. They're not me anymore. They are outside of me. And they stand next to me. And sometimes it takes me a minute to realize that. But I realize it now. Why? Because of determination. 
and setting my head, my, my forehead forward on a course, right? Like Flint. I have set my eyes on a goal and I'm not perfect with it, but I've got enough breakthrough that I can tell you this. When you bring something into the light and you are determined and you plant your feet, it's only a matter of time. It is only a matter of time. How much time? I do not know for you but it is only a matter of time before that thing no longer has the power that it has and that thing starts to sit down and shut up and you become very powerful. Why? Because that's how you were born. You don't like get born and then become powerful from all your choices. You were born powerful. You are regaining yourself is what's happening. You are relearning who you are. I know I can't talk forever. I said brief. I should never do that. That's, it always just hits me. Beliefs, habits, fears, phobias are all formed in the subconscious. In order to affect the subconscious, we need to bring those beliefs and experiences into the light of the conscious. Let me, I'm gonna read a verse to you really quick. I have it right here. Okay, Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is, this is the part I love. I, don't even, I didn't even need to read that other part. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Listen to me. As long as you walk through life sleeping in those painful places, those lies will have control, and they will have power. But whatever is brought into the light and exposed to the light then becomes light. Do you know why? Because he kills lies. He defeats lies, and he brings the truth out and makes it glorious. This is what happens to trauma in the light. I had some things happen to me when I was a kid that were horrible. And that trauma, I carried it around and carried it around until one day, like that Michael Jackson video, it came out and I broke down, went through a whole box of Kleenex, right? Broke down. But you know what happened? I broke down in the best of place around people who believe in a powerful God and I talked about it. And you know what I have now? I have a story that happened to me when I was younger that feels like I'm talking about someone else because I am powerful and I don't have a belief system system that, that shows that trauma. I have a belief system that shows his healing. And now I walk through healing and from healing and I have keys. This is the beautiful thing. That thing that was so dark that happened to me was brought into the light. It was made visible because it's only powerful when it's not visible. It was made visible and it became light. And now it is a testimony in me that I get to share the universal key of freedom with anybody that's walking through that same thing. Anyone that's experiencing or has experienced that same trauma and that same abuse, I have a key. Once I was under its power, and now I stand on top of it brave and assured of myself and assured of my Lord. This is what he does. So I'm going to challenge you today. It doesn't have to be trauma. It can just be a belief. It can just be a little anxiety. It can just be the way that you determine how you live the choices you make in certain circumstances. Get around certain people, and I don't know what it is, but this is how I act. I'm gonna challenge you today. 
don't just live on autopilot in those areas of life. Stop. Take the thought captive. Why am I feeling this way? Trace it back with the Lord to where that hurt began. What happened to make me believe this? Stop. And then give that to God. Okay, Jesus. When I was in third grade, and my teacher told me short people got no reason to live. This is a true story. And he would tell me that every day. He'd sing the song. Short people got no reason to live. I learned a lie. I learned an ugly lie. And that lie, yeah, that was Christian school. And that lie, that lie determined how I made choices when it came to certain things. But when I bring that into the light, it no longer has power. And I can walk forward. If I subconsciously live from that place, in the back of my mind, I might believe that I'm worthless. In the back of my mind, I might believe that I don't have what it takes. In the back of my mind, I might feel a little powerless. But when I bring it into the light, and I bring it into conscious thought, and I let God rewrite that history, I'm powerful. I'm amazing. I'm creative. I'm brilliant. The things that are hard to believe at first, but then they start to sink in, and that's what I experience. Can you stand with me? Thanks. I was, I was talking to um, Lacey and Ava on the way to church this morning, and I was, talking to, I was talking to Ava about, do you have experiences? Lacey and Ava both, I was saying, you know, what are some of your experiences that are, that are either the ones where you know you've, like, learned something, where when you get in that experience again, there's a certain amount of anxiety that raises up, and then the ones that are good. And Ava had a beautiful story that it went, I didn't even think about it. But when we moved here two years ago, a year and a half ago, whatever it was, two years ago, July, when we moved here, you know, she's starting all over. She's got to go to a new high school. Well, that high school's in lockdown, and everybody has to wear masks. And the first part of school year, she can't go to school there. And then they do let you go to school there, but they split the student body in half. The only friend she has is at the other half, right? So she has to go by herself. She has to stay six feet distanced from everybody. She has to wear a mask. She can't make new friends. she go to lunch and sit by herself at a table. And so she started to get an anxiety around school, which would be natural, right? Natural anxiety around school. Did not want to go. Every morning, didn't want to go to school because she was going to be alone. And school was a place of anxiety, which I would feel and you would feel, right? Experience that. You're not just the new kid. Hard enough, you're the new kid. Now you're the new kid in a lockdown school. Now she goes to a school called the Foundry, which we love. And she has made this group of friends that this is, I love this about this school. I hope this isn't a bad way to say it, but I love this about the school because all the kids are super nerdy. And I, I think that is the greatest thing ever. If you want your kids to be happy, put them in a school where it's all nerdy kids that are really into just being smart and nerdy. I'm telling you, it's awesome. It is the greatest. Why? Because they're just more innocent than that high school she went to. And they're just, you know, like more accepting. I, I, I went to their dance to pick her up and I was looking through the window and I'm going, this is, this is awesome. Because it was like... The most awesome dancing I've ever seen of everybody had two left feet. It was the greatest thing ever. But her experience with school is this. I've not woken her up once for school. We don't ask her to do homework. 
She is on the honor roll. She has not missed one assignment this year. She's excited to go to school. She actually wants to go early. Why? Because her experience has been rewritten through positive things, right? She has this group of friends that love her and have her back and text her if she's not there. Where are you? We miss you. You better not go on a trip for spring break because you're hanging out with us. And now all of a sudden she loves school. That is the difference in experience right there. And you too can feel that way about your life. One was masked, one was distanced, and one was alone. The other one, in community, in the light, fully being you, not being judged right off the bat, but accepted in by a bunch of nerds. Look around. (laughs) We're a bunch of goofy people. We're weird, we're creative, we're brilliant, we love Jesus, we go against societal norms now, we're not the norm, right? We're rebels because we believe in things like values and life and faith and love, right? And helping your fellow man and being kind. We believe in things that are so weird. You're in a good spot. I think it's time to rewrite some of our experiences. I think it's it's time to build some faith and some beliefs rather than some traumas and some triggers. I think it's time to dismantle the power of those lies that we've learned, and maybe some of them have been around forever. Well, guess what? I don't think God ever met a lie that was older than him. I think he's got one up on it. I think he can take care of it. He's not afraid of the darkness. Actually, the darkness is light to him, the Bible says. He's not afraid of your dysfunction. He actually looks straight through it. He has no boogers on his lens. He sees the real you, and he loves the real you, and he's calling that child out into the light. So let's just take him up on the invitation. Let's be diligent. Let's plant our feet. Let's take this life serious. Let's live our best life. The end of the verse is this. The the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, this is Jesus talking, I have come to give them life and life abundantly. Let's seize the moment and live an abundant life rather than just accepting the stealing and killing and destroying. Put your hand on your heart, please. Jesus. Oh, you are so good. I know I said it like I wanted you to repeat it. Everybody did. You guys got, got you right where I want you. No, I'm joking. Oh, Jesus, be you. Father, I thank you that you have a brilliant and beautiful way of tracing the scar back to where that hurt began. Lord, I thank you that you are relentless. God, I thank you that you are always available. God, I thank you that you don't give up. God, I thank you that there's never anything that stands in your presence where you go, ah, it's too much. God, I thank you that you are always up for it. I thank you that you are always ready. I thank you that you are uh, so peacefully inviting us into that breakthrough. You are so considerate in the way that you invite us in. You are so gentle in the way that you walk us through. God, you are not abrupt. You are not rude. You are not careless. You are not rough. You are not forceful. You, God, are gentle and peaceful and kind and loving and accepting. 
And so, Lord, we, as a body, we open our hearts one more time and we say, have your beautiful way in us, God. Show us light where there has been darkness. Show us truth where the lie has tried to prevail. Show us breakthrough where we felt under. God, I thank you that you are raising us up on wings of eagles. You are seating us in heavenly places. You call us the apple of your eye. You are, we are your happy thought. Your thoughts for us outnumber the sand on the shore of the sea. God, I thank you that you dream over us. You hope over us. You believe over us. God, let us be a people that embrace that thinking. Let us be a people that live in the light. In Jesus' name, everybody said.